Welcome to Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. It is our pleasure and privilege to present to you the gospel message of the sovereign grace and glory of God in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today's program will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and now for today's program. Welcome to our program today. I'm glad you could join us. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, I'm going to be preaching from John chapter 3. And the subject today is the new birth. The new birth. Christ told a man here named Nicodemus, you must be born again. The new birth. We all talk about born again Christians, when in actuality there's no other kind. If you're a true Christian, a biblical Christian, not just the name or some kind of a generic uh, individual that's part of what we call Christendom today. But if you're a true Christian, you have been born again by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to go back into chapter 2. I concluded this last week uh, concerning the subject of what is in man. And the reason I want to read the last three verses, beginning at verse verse 23 of chapter 2, is because this sets the stage for what Christ told this man who was a religious Pharisee named Nicodemus, that you must be born again. Why must we be born again? I'll never forget years and years ago, I was watching a television talk show. And it was when Jimmy Carter was the president of the United States. And you know, a lot of people talked about being born again because Carter talked about that, being a born again Christian. And they were talking about this in this TV talk show, and they had some pastors and evangelists on the stage. And a lady in the audience spoke up and said that she'd been a Christian for 15 years and had never been born again. Well, that's an impossibility. How do I know that? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom true Christians follow and rest in for salvation, said, you must be born again. And how does, what is that new birth? How does it come about? Well, back up in cha- chapter 2, in verse 23 of John, it says, Now when he, that is Christ, was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Now that sets the stage and tells us that their believing in him was not salvation. It was not what we call saving faith, which is the gift of God, that by the power of the Holy Spirit in the new birth brings a sinner to believe in Christ. What these believed in were the miracles. And there's a difference. You see, salvation's in a person. And it's based upon a work which he accomplished, not by... uh, Uh, feeding the poor or healing the sick or raising the dead. He did all of that now. And that was a grand testimony to his deity and his power to save. But salvation is not by looking to the miracles. Salvation is looking to the person, Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead. And that's the great work. That's the miracle of all miracles. Salvation by God's grace based upon Christ's death in putting away the sins of his people, given to him before the foundation of the world by God. 
He shed his blood and paid for the sins of his sheep. He, was buried, he died and he was buried. He arose again. Righteousness was established by his obedience unto death as the surety, the substitute, the redeemer of his people. That's the miracle of all miracles. Salvation is coming to Christ, believing in Christ, resting in Christ, and the, the accomplishment of his work to save his people from their sins. But these, they believed in him, in his name, when they saw the miracles that he did. Now, it says in verse 24, now, to support what I'm telling you here, it says in verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. And I preached two messages, I believe, on that subject. What is in man? What is in man naturally? Now, when we talk about naturally, we're talking about by nature. I say that all the time on this program. We by nature. What do I mean by that? As we are naturally born into this world, into a state. And what is that state? Well, the Bible teaches that we fell in Adam, who was the representative of the whole human race in the garden when he he, uh, sinned. We all sinned in him. The scripture says, Romans 5, 12, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and death passed upon all men for that all sinned. All have sinned and literally that would say all sinned. And so Adam brought us all into a natural state of spiritual death and total depravity so that we are at a loss and powerless to save ourselves. And that's what's in man. And I use some scriptures like in in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see, man, man does not naturally have a spark of goodness in him. Now, understand what I'm saying there. I'm talking about goodness as God measures goodness by himself in his son. Now, we all know people that we call good people, and we try to be good people. But our standard of goodness is too low. And that's what it means, like, for example, in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, naturally, we have a conscience. We know the difference between right and wrong as it pertains to relationships here on earth. We don't know the difference between good and evil as it pertains to a relationship with God. In order to be saved, we have to be perfectly righteous with no flaw. I was telling a man that one time, eating lunch with him. He said, well, nobody can do that. And I said, that's right. That's because we're born in sin. And that's why salvation is by grace, through the righteousness of another, the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that. So there's no goodness in man. Uh, Romans 3, uh, I uh, uh, read that last week, where it says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. That's according to God's standard of goodness, and it's a high standard. And some people might say, well, that's too high for us, and that's not fair. No, it's not too high for us. It's too high for us to attain by our works. But God has provided a way that a sinner, in his eyes, can be righteous. But that way is not by our works. It's not by the decisions we make. 
okay? It's by the grace of God through the righteousness of his son. That's why the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For Christ is the end of the law, the finishing, the perfection of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So how can I, a sinner, be righteous in God's sight? Only through Christ, by his grace. Now, another thing that's in us, what's in man by nature, is spiritual deadness. Now, spiritual dead, spiritually dead means that by nature, as we are naturally born, we do not have the capacity or the desire to follow and believe and rest in the things of God that glorify Him in Christ. And that means this, that apart from this sovereign work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth, and that's what the new birth is, it is a sovereign work of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to give life, spiritual life, to spiritually dead sinners. The Bible even even uh, likens it to a resurrection from the dead coming out of the grave. See, the natural man, I quote this verse all the time on this program because I want you to understand this. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. They're spiritually discerned. In other words, the, the truth of God in Christ must be revealed by God from heaven in his word, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the heart must be given, a new heart. We read this last time out of Ezekiel 36. I'll give, I'll give them a new heart. I'll put within them a new spirit. That's the new birth. So we have to be given a new heart, a new mind, a new affections, a new will, a desire to receive the things of the Spirit of God. And that comes by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Now with that in mind, look at chapter 3, our text. It says in verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now what do you think of when you hear the term Pharisee? Well, you think of a hypocrite. And they were hypocrites. Uh, a lot of people think of them as being very mean, nasty people, uh, conniving. And a lot of them were. But among the Pharisees, here's how you look, look at in the, in the biblical view. A Pharisee is a person who is seeking righteousness and goodness and salvation by their works. That's what a Pharisee is. Over in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 18, we have the, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. And it's very... It's a very telling parable because it gives you a, a really broad view, painting with a wide brush uh, who the Pharisees were and what they actually believed and did. And they, they all were not mean, insincere people like I think some people have the idea. This man named Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3, it says in verse 2, it says, The same came to Jesus by night, and said unto him, Rabbi, that was the Jewish name for a master teacher. He said, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So Nicodemus was, didn't come railing and gnashing his teeth upon Christ. He came, in, he came by night, 
which indicates he didn't want to be seen by his other pharisaical brethren. And he was very kind. He recognized that Christ was a master teacher, a rabbi, and he recognized that Christ was sent from God to do miracles, just like the other prophets, maybe. He didn't believe in Christ as the Messiah. He didn't look to Christ for salvation and righteousness, you see. But he did, he did give, give a credit where he thought credit was due, and he was a very kind man. Now, many people believe that later on, Nicodemus was converted to Christ, and he may have been. We don't know that for sure, but he may have been. I hope he was. But over in Luke chapter 18, when he was uh, uh, beginning this parable of the Pharisee and the publican, listen to what, what he said here. This is Luke 18 and verse 9. It says, And he, that is Christ, spoke this parable unto certain, certain persons which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, this despising others means is they trusted that they were righteous. They judged themselves to be righteous. And they looked at others as being unrighteous, being lost, being cursed. Now here's the point. Upon what basis did they count themselves righteous? Well, look at the rest of this parable. He says in verse 10, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Now we've already established the Pharisee is one who trusted in himself that he was righteous. His judgment of himself, he says, I'm righteous. I'm saved. I'm right with God. That's what the Pharisee would say. On what basis? Well, verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee. Now don't forget how his prayer starts. He said, I thank thee, O God, that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, the old publican who everybody knew was lost, a tax gatherer. He says in verse 12, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now the basis of his claim of righteousness was his works, what he was not doing and what he was doing. That's a Pharisee. And I'm telling you, if you're seeking salvation, in any way, any degree, any part of it, based upon your works, that's Pharisaism. Now, you may not call yourself a Pharisee, but you're just right with them. Salvation conditioned on sinners is Pharisaism. Salvation conditioned on Christ alone, who fulfilled those conditions and secured the salvation of his people, that's Christianity. That's salvation. And the old publican, you know, he, it says in verse 13, the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much even as his eyes unto heaven. That's an, uh, uh, an indication of humility, God-given humility. And he smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Some translations say to me, the sinner. I'm the sinner of all sinners. I know what I am. I know that if God were to judge me right now, and I'll say this about myself, if God were to judge me right now based upon my best efforts to be good, to be righteous, I would be damned forever. I'm a sinner. That's why I need grace. That's why I need mercy. That's why I need Christ. 
And so Christ ended the parable. He says in verse 14, I tell you, this man, this publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall, shall be exalted. Now, he went down to his house justified. What does that mean? He was forgiven of all of his sins. On what ground? The blood of Christ. He was declared righteous in God's sight. On what ground? The righteousness of Christ freely imputed to him, charged to him, and which he had received by God-given faith. Now that kind of humility is not natural to us. The natural man will not receive the things of the Spirit of God. And so back in John chapter 3, now our text, here comes Nicodemus and he tells Christ, he said, I, I know you're a master teacher and I know you're sin of God. But how did Jesus answer him? He said in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. Now other translations, instead of the word again, they say born from above. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, to see the kingdom of God here means to understand it, to discern it, to know what it's about, and to believe and, and receive the things of the kingdom of God. You cannot do that, Christ said. You cannot. It's not that they would not. They would not. They will not. But they could not except they be born again. Again, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. No man, Christ said in John 6, verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I'll raise him up again at the last day. How does God draw that person? He draws that person in the preaching of the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the new birth. God providentially, and you know what the providence of God is, that's God's governance of all things. He's in control. He providentially brings His people in their lost state. He brings them under the preaching of the gospel. And they hear that gospel, the true gospel now, not a false gospel, there's no new birth, there's no salvation, there's no conversion. There's no, uh, there's no conviction under a false gospel. It has to be the true gospel. And what is the true gospel? Well, Paul said it in Romans 1, 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ concerning the person of Christ who's God manifest in the flesh. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first, the Greek also, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. That's the merits of Christ's obedience unto death, fulfilling all the conditions, all the requirements, all the stipulations of the salvation of His people. And it's from faith, from knowledge revealed, to faith, knowledge received. That's the God-given faith. For it's written, the just, the justified shall live by faith. It's the preaching of God's grace that is manifested and brought forth and settled in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a message that Christ came down here to try to save everybody. That's, not, that's a false gospel. It's not a message that Christ in His death made salvation possible. 
It's not smile, God loves you. It's not, it's not God loves everybody and Christ died for everybody. Now, if you'll do your part, that's not. That's a false gospel. It's the preaching of the cross. Christ crucified, the glorious person, who Christ is, God manifest in the flesh, and what he accomplished on Calvary to secure the salvation of all whom the Father gave to him. They're called his sheep. He said, the good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep, laid his life down for the sheep. And he said, I know my sheep and they'll know me. He said, my sheep hear my voice. That's the preaching of the gospel and the power of the spirit. And they'll follow me and they'll never perish. That's his sheep. Somebody might ask, well, am I one of his sheep? Well, do you believe the gospel? Because if you do, you're a miracle of God's grace. You're not, listen, if you believe the gospel, the true gospel, you're not the product of your own decision or your own free will. No. The will's in bondage to sin until God frees us. The truth will set you free. If you believe the gospel, you're a miracle of God's grace. You've been given a gift that you would not have received apart from the power of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. You couldn't see the, the value of it, the reality of it, and you wouldn't want it. But when the Spirit comes, He convicts you of, that, of the truth, of your sinfulness, of God's holiness, of your deservedness of condemnation. And the only way of salvation by God's grace through Christ, based on His blood and righteousness alone, He'll convict you of that. And once He convicts you, you cannot ignore it, you cannot deny it, and you cannot leave it. That's how you know you're one of his sheep. That's how you know you've been born again. So, so this is what Christ is telling Nicodemus here. He said, except, verse 3 now, John 3. Except a man be born again, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He doesn't have spiritual eyes to see. He may have 20-20 vision physically. He may be able to read every religious book, even his Bible. But he cannot see the reality of God's grace in Christ. The reality of God's holiness and justice. The reality of his own sinfulness and depravity. The reality of salvation by grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He cannot see that with the spiritual eye. And that's why Christ told his disciples. He said, listen, blessed are your eyes. For they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. Think about that. Well, he goes on. And the kingdom of God here has to do with Christ's kingdom, over which he rules spiritually in his church, salvation. And all that goes, all the benefits of it, all the blessings of it. Blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, Nicodemus did not understand what Christ was saying. And it says in verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now Nicodemus was thinking about physical birth. And he understood, well, a man can't be born when he's old. You know, can he enter into his mother's womb? So he had a connection there in his mind because he didn't see or understand uh, the reality of, of, of the new birth. And Jesus, verse 5, it says, 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again, or from above. Now Christ is teaching him a lesson here. And Nicodemus didn't understand it. And I want to go ahead and read this because I'll make some comments. Verse 8, Christ said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. What he's saying there is that the new birth, whenever God brings a sinner by the power of the Spirit to see and hear the kingdom of God and to enter it, by God-given faith. That's a sovereign work. You, there's no how-to. Some famous preacher wrote a book, How to Be Born Again. I can't give you a how-to. All I can tell you is do your best to find a true gospel church and get in it and listen to the gospel. And if God is pleased to give you life, He'll give you life. But you seek the Lord. And so... Nicodemus, verse 9, he answered and he said unto Christ, How can these things be? How can this be? And verse 10 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master in Israel and knowest not these things? Verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. Verse 12, If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now what he's telling Nicodemus is this. You must be born again or you can't see or enter the kingdom of heaven. And this new birth is not the natural birth. It's not being, it's not being born into this world physically. This new birth is from above. It's a spiritual birth. It's a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. It comes under the preaching of the gospel. And you should know this. You're a master in Israel. In other words, you know the Old Testament. And the Old Testament taught this. The new birth. Especially in passages like Ezekiel 36 where God said, I will put my spirit within them. I'll give them a new heart. I will cause them to walk in my statutes. That's the new birth. And he says, that doesn't come by your efforts. No man hath ascended up to heaven. You don't, you're not born again by your efforts. You're not saved by your works. For by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation comes down from heaven as God sends his Son to do his great work of redemption on the cross and to send forth the Spirit of God under the preaching of the gospel to give dead sinners life. You must be born again. I hope you'll join us next week for another message from God's Word. We are glad you could join us for another edition of Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. To receive a copy of today's program or to learn more about Reign of Grace Media Ministries or Eager Avenue Grace Church, write us at 1102 Eager Drive, Albany, Georgia, 31707. Contact us by phone at 
1-800-242-6969 or email us through our website at www.theletterrofgrace.com. Thank you again for listening today and may the Lord be with you.